Welcome to Clear the Clutter. My name is Margaret, and this podcast is where I give you practical and spiritual advice to get your time back so you can finally spend it how you really want. Hello, hello. Welcome to today's episode. So we are going to be talking about creating healthy boundaries around tech. So I don't want you to think, because I've talked about social media and technology in a couple of episodes in the past, I don't want you to think that I am anti-tech. I'm actually very pro-tech. I used to work in the tech industry, and I think technology is an amazing tool. But where my concern lies and why I've kind of unfairly bashed uh, social media a little bit is because I don't believe we have any healthy boundaries around technology. So I'm going to go ahead and dive deep in this episode and we're going to talk about how to create some healthy boundaries, why it's important to have boundaries, so on and so forth. So before we get into all of it, let me start with the backstory as always. So I am a recovering technology addictive person, and I don't know at the moment if there is a definition for that. There probably is. I didn't really Google it before I jumped on this episode um, because I don't really want the label, to be honest, but I believe that I, for a very long time, for probably six, seven years, had a very unhealthy relationship with technology. Now, mind you, I started using technology when I came out, I think it was about 16-ish when I got my first cell phone, because that's when cell phones were out. And, you know, depending on how old you are when you're listening to this, you might remember them. I don't know if you would remember, but it was an old old school style LG flip phone. And I remember when I got that phone, like I remember when like you had, you know, X amount of text messages, like 200 a month. And that's all you could send. And then I remember when the phones came out with the first cameras, I had this really awesome LG phone. It was like a deep royal blue. And the camera, it was the coolest thing back then. The camera was in the joints of the phone because it was a flip phone. And you could rotate it so that you could take pictures like of yourself as a selfie by rotating the camera. Or you could take pictures, you know, the normal way. So, mind you, I have a very loving relationship with technology. I thought it was amazing. I used it in college. You know, I got laptops when laptops were available. You know, I spent several hundred dollars getting laptops and I remember when you know the internet was all those crazy sounds you know and like you would go load a page walk away do something and come back and then the internet was loaded I remember AOL chat so I have fond memories with technology and for years it was a very healthy relationship even when I started using Facebook because I joined Facebook back in the day when you had to have a college uh, email address to join I was in college I think I was a freshman still in college when I joined um and I used my you know my student email account that's how I was able to have a Facebook account because I had had a MySpace account in the past so I loved it and I, even throughout probably my freshman and sophomore year of college, I think, or at least I felt I had a very healthy relationship with technology. Where I think I got led astray is when I started relying on technology to escape. So let me stop right there in this backstory for you. Escaping meaning I was avoiding 
you know, whatever an ugly or uncomfortable situation was. And I was using my phone to escape. I was using technology to escape. I was using social media to escape instead of dealing with the problem head on. Now, you know, 10 years later, I am very comfortable for the most part dealing with things head on or at minimum, I will go through it. I'll have the uncomfortable feelings. I'll have the uncomfortable conversation. I'll feel like I'm going to throw up or whatever the, you know, my anxiety is kicking in at that time. I'll go through that process, even with anxiety, you know, riding on my back per se. If you've ever had anxiety, you'll know what I mean. But I'll go through that situation with the anxiety, with the upset stomach, with the urge to kind of puke, because whenever I get nervous, that's what happens. And I'll go through it knowing that I'll get through and I can go to the other side and everything will be okay. Where I believe I started having an unhealthy obsession with technology was instead of looking at areas in my life I could improve, I would just be on social media. Instead of valuing what I had, I would go out and want to buy the next device. Instead of seeing what was important to me, at least technology wise, you know, having a good laptop and having a good phone that could do X, Y, and Z, I would just blindly purchase something. So instead of actually to choosing technology and using it as a tool, I use it as probably like a catch-all for everything. So if I was upset, went on my phone. If I was happy, went on my phone. If I was angry, went on my phone. If I was frustrated, went on my phone. And mind you, when I'm going on my phone, it was a 50-50 between Googling something dumb or going on Facebook. And then let me just dive deep into this one for a minute. When I was on social media, because like I said, for the most part, I'm about 95% off of social media. I have to be on it a little bit for my job, but I don't do any posting or any of that at the moment. The reason why I don't is because I almost feel like a recovering addict. I had a very unhealthy relationship with social media. I was able to delete my Instagram account and still do what I needed to for work. So I was able to do that. I don't have a Twitter account. Um, I kept Pinterest because for me, at least Pinterest was very educational and I didn't feel addicted to it. I could put it down. I could go and not use Pinterest for weeks at a time and then go back to it. Um, I never had that relationship with Facebook or with Instagram where I started using it as a way to connect with other people because I've always had this goal and this dream that I would have friends in every continent. And then from there, I would have friends in every major country. And Facebook, for the most part, and kind of Instagram too, but Facebook for the majority of this, because this is before Instagram was like massive to where it is today. Um, Facebook uh, let me let me do that. I was able to make friends in Japan. I have friends all throughout the United States. I have friends in Mexico and Australia, in the UK, in Canada. And it used to be a really great tool that I would use for community building because that was what was important to me. I wanted a very diverse culture and community in regards to having friends that weren't all like me. I wanted to have friends of different races. I wanted to have friends of different backgrounds, different religions, so that I could be exposed to a bunch of different views. I think it's very important, or at least in my perspective, it's very important to be constantly around different views and different opinions outside of your own so that you can learn and grow. I have a belief that I am able to learn something that will move me forward in life from pretty much every person I meet. So it could be someone that I absolutely hate. I'll still learn something from them. It could be someone I absolutely adore. I'll still learn something from them. So 
Facebook was a way for me to do that. I was able to make these friends that I never would have made otherwise. I was able to connect with them consistently. And it used to be a really great tool, just like social media, or not social media, just like my, my technology. So just like my cell phone, just like my laptop, just like my iPad that we ended up just getting rid of, you know, just like my TV or, you know, Netflix or any of that stuff. It used to be a really great tool that I enjoyed and I valued and I consumed consciously where it started to become an obsession. And for me, at least it feels like almost like a recovering addict. And I don't use that word lightly. Um, I had chosen to go to therapy when I was in my mid twenties for almost a year for severe depression. Um, and I actually went to a drug and alcohol specialist because even though I didn't, I honestly hadn't even drank anything since, you know, basically my wedding day up until I was like 25. But even though I never consumed drugs ever, no pot, no nothing, never done any of that. I never chose to tons of people offered just didn't feel right for me. I don't have anything against them, but like I said, just didn't feel right for me. Um, barely drink. I mean, even to today, like I'm in my thirties now and I barely consume alcohol because again, it's just not really for me. So you may be wondering why did I go to a drug and alcohol therapist if I didn't have any of those problems? Well, I believe that depression is an addiction. Once you were in the throes of depression and once it gets really, really, really bad, it can become almost like an addiction. Your body is addicted to the feelings. Your body is addicted to the behaviors, to the patterns, to the things that you do while you're in the spiral. And I wanted to go to someone to break me out of that. So when I say I feel like I had an addiction to my technology, I don't use that word lightly because... I had an addiction to depression. I was constantly depressed outside of my hormones. I never did anything to fix it. I never changed my life. So going to a therapist to help me identify those issues was really helpful. So I don't want anyone that is either struggling with addiction or has a close family member or friend that's struggling with addiction for me to be taking this lightly because I really don't. I use that word with severe, I guess, reverence because been there, done that. Um, we all have our own forms of addiction. And for me, technology has been one of them. So since I've given you a little bit more of a backstory as to why I've had the issues with technology, let me kind of dive deep to the last part of that. Where again, where it started to become obsession, overwhelm, it started to become a, an addiction was when I started changing my life so that it fit my technology versus my technology fitting my life. Now, let me explain what that means. Um, I would buy bigger phones or better phones just because the camera was a tick bigger versus getting a just standard professional camera and moving on. Part of my job back, you know, in my late 20s was taking high quality photos. So I would spend lots of money on apps and this is and that and all these coutrements and gadgets, but I never actually used them. I would spend the money. I would use them for, you know, a month. And then I'd move on to the next biggest, shiniest platform or software or whatever it was. Um, I, the only thing I did right, at least I, I feel I did right, was when I was still in high, when I was still in college, not high school, when I was still in college, um, near the end of my college career, I had my husband uh, build me a design 
web, not design website, design computer so that I could do coding and stuff like that. So that's the only thing I at least feel like I put a lot of thought into in the throes of this addictive behavior to technology. Um, but again, I can't tell you how many times since my husband built my laptop for me a couple years ago, I'm like, oh, well, I'm going to need the new MacBook Pro because it's going to be able to do this better. Or I'm going to need this device because it'll do that better. I'm going to need this device to do that better. I'm going to need an iPad, even though I have a laptop and a cell phone because when I'm at events, it's easier to use. I'm going to need this. I'm going to need that. So it started just like social media. I started accumulating all of these devices and I wasn't really using any of them. And where the addictive part came in was I would have like panic attacks when I didn't have my devices with me. So I literally would not go anywhere without my cell phone. And I'm not talking like out, you know, in my car or traveling to the grocery store, or traveling here, or traveling there. For the most part, I keep my cell phone on me when I'm out and about just because if I have an emergency, I need to be able to reach my husband. I need to be able to reach my family. If they have an emergency, I prefer them to be able to reach me. I'm talking about I wouldn't go five feet without my cell phone. I wouldn't leave it in another room. I always had it on me. I was always on social media checking who's posting this, who's posting that. I started to, you know, curate my food so that I could post pretty pictures. I started to try and get my pets to pose a certain way because it would look cute on Facebook and I would get a bunch of likes. So I started to literally change my surroundings and my reality to fit this online presence that I thought I needed to have. And that's where it started to become uncomfortable. And instead of recognizing it was uncomfortable or recognizing that it was a way for attention or a way for connection or whatever it was, I just kind of dove deeper. So I'm like, no, I'm just going to, instead of being on Facebook, I'm going to be on Instagram too, because Facebook isn't working. I'm not getting enough likes. I'm not getting enough views. Um, instead of being on Facebook and Instagram, I'm going to be on those two plus Snapchat because that's the cool thing right now. That's what everyone's doing. Oh man, I need to be on Twitter too. I need to be scheduling out fresh content for people. Mind you, this is before I had the I had a blog, but I wasn't using my blog as I wasn't using social media as a way to get my blog out. Before I even had the podcast, this was just my own personal life. Like, oh, went and got five bags of dog food today. Hip, hip, hooray. Puppies are happy. Like, dumb crap like that. Like, yeah, it's cute and funny or whatever. Maybe I could have sent that to a couple of friends because they would have laughed because everyone has the running joke that um, it takes a small army to feed all of my animals because we have six of them. So... Instead of sending it to a friend, I was posting and I was bragging and I was asking for all of this crazy attention. When in reality, it was just a way to hide because instead of looking at my own life and realizing I'm starting to change my life so that it fits social media, it just, it spiraled. It kept spiraling over and over and over. Every time I would kind of break away from social media, it's like, okay, I'm going to change my password. I would change my password. And then I would hound the person for the next day or two until they gave me the password and I would change it back. Or I would spend, I, I downloaded this app on my phone. I think it's called rescue time. Um, but basically, this is, again, because I have an Android. I don't have the fancy schmancy built-in stuff that iPhone has. So I would download apps on my phone to see how much time I was spending on Facebook. And I figured I was needing to be on Facebook for about maybe, let's say, an hour 
a day for my job. The rest of it was just unnecessary time because I could do whatever I needed to, whether it was scheduling posts, responding to comments, um, you know, working on working in Facebook groups and interacting, whatever I needed to do. It would take no more than about an hour a day. I was spending seven, eight, nine, ten hours a day on Facebook. And I couldn't even tell you what I was doing. I could tell you I did a lot of mindless scrolling, but there was no boundaries to the technology. And one of the reasons why I think we need to have this conversation, why I'm having this episode recorded in April of 2019, is I believe that we need to have healthy boundaries with the technology. The entire point of technology is to better our lives, not to basically replace our lives or alter our lives so that we are in service of the technology. It should be in service of us. So I'm going to go in the next couple minutes, I'll go into journal prompts that you can ask yourself to see where you're at with your technology. See if you have healthy boundaries with it, or if you are starting or in the process of spiraling like what I did. Um, Maybe you don't have a full blown addiction to it. Maybe it's something you can pick up and you can put down. Or maybe you're like me and, or you were like me and you literally can't even uninstall it from your phone because give it 20 minutes and you're reinstalling it. You can't, you know, not be scrolling and endlessly looking at other people's profiles. You can't, you know, leave your phone somewhere while you're in the house and ignore it for more than 10 minutes. So I'll go into some journal prompts that you can use to see where you're at and then also kind of help you correct where you would need to have better boundaries. But before I go into that, I just want to dive a little bit deeper. Again, a lot of this might sound like I'm anti-technology. It's not. It's the furthest thing from the truth. What I am is a champion of having a healthy relationship with our devices. So after I've gone over the journal prompts, I will make sure to give you some examples of what I'm currently doing because I've given you the examples of what I did in the past and how it affected me and why I believe I have an addiction to technology, why I've taken such drastic means to get off social media, for example, and I've streamlined my devices so I don't have a laptop, an iPad, a this, a this, and this. I only have three, three. Yeah. I'm looking, looking at them right now, three devices. So that again, I have a healthy relationship. Once we do the journal prompts, I'll give you what my new reality reality looks like. So you have something that you could kind of process with me. Okay. So enough teasing, let's go into the journal prompts because I know that is a pretty key part of my podcast with you guys. So Journal prompt number one. And again, none of this is in order, but if you want to listen along, feel free to answer out loud if you're in a safe or comfortable space. Um, If you want to physically see them, go over to the blog, margaretstevens.co, and you can see the journal prompts and every other set of journal prompts that are associated with every single podcast. So just a little, little cliff note here. If this is the first episode you've listened to, every single one of my podcasts has journal prompts with it. So Go deep dive, do the homework, and, you know, get the change that you're desiring. So journal prompt number one, why am I using this device or platform? So let me answer like I always do in every episode. When I am looking at technology, and I'll use one of the devices that I have, why am I using this device? So my laptop, I use it to 
record the podcast. I use it to pay bills. I use it to go online. I use it to edit videos. Um, you know, and that's kind of, well, consume and create courses. So that's why I use my laptop. So another example, why do I use my Kindle? Um, I just got a Kindle probably about six months ago. Um, I used to read off of my phone or my iPad. And why did I have a Kindle? Well, I'm an avid reader. I read anywhere from two to 300 books a year. Yes, I said that right. Two to 300 books a year. Um, I've been like that since I was a kid. And reading on a Kindle actually started helping me fall asleep easier. I have literally pretty much read every single night before I go to bed since I can remember, you know, short of being sick or something like that. So when I used to read on my phone, because of the lighting, no matter what I did, I would do the um, the sundown filters, I would change my backgrounds on my Kindle app, no matter what I did, it still kept me up way longer than I wanted to. So when I tried out my mother-in-law's Kindle, I noticed that it didn't keep me up as long. So hence why I went and got the Kindle, because I was able to read and I was able to sync all my books on it. It's really easy to use. It's really light. You know, I used to sidebar, but I used to pick the size of my purse so that it could fit a full size mega book in it. And if it couldn't, I wouldn't use that purse. That is how voracious of a reader I am. So the Kindle started to fit all the needs I needed. It could download all my books. I didn't have to be on Wi-Fi all the time. It would last for freaking ever, even at the pace of reading that I do. I think I charge it maybe once a month. Um, it was perfect. So that is why I use that device. So when it comes to platforms, why I'm still on Pinterest and I am no longer you know, on any other platform, or at least I'm not active on any other platform, is because Pinterest is still a really great way for me to get visual inspiration for the future. So I'm really big into creating a future home, a board where we have a bunch of ideas, me and my husband, we have a bunch of ideas of what we want our next home to look like. I have um, recipe boards, I have hairstyle boards, I have what I feel is a healthy body image board. So I like to use Pinterest as a way to consciously like change my subconscious. So if I want to have new goals for the year, I did this for years. I haven't done it this year, um, but I did this for years. I would create, you know, goals for 2018, 2017, 2016. And I would put all of the major goals in that Pinterest board. And then I would look at the Pinterest board all the time because it used, I used it as a way to move me forward. So I felt like I had a very healthy relationship. I wasn't dependent on it. I wasn't going to, you know, have a conniption if I couldn't have access to Pinterest. It was just a way for me to kind of brainwash myself in a positive manner. So that would be my answer if you needed an example of why I'm using this device or platform. What's the benefit that you're getting out of it? If that, if I could ask it any other way would be, what is the benefit or the lack of benefit that I'm getting from this device or the platform? So question number two, which basically is, what am I getting out of it? I alluded to it obviously in question number one, but I want you to dive deeper into what am I getting out of it outside of the fluff? So my Kindle, let's go back to that. What am I getting out? Why do I use it? I use it because I'm a voracious reader and it makes it really easy to use. What am I getting out of it? Well, I'm able to take my books with me wherever I go. It fits in my purse super easy. 
It has an amazingly long battery life. Um, I'm able to hold hundreds of books on it at any given time. It does not interfere with my sleep. So you can hear all the positive things that I am getting out of my Kindle. And let's go back to let's go back to a platform. So Pinterest, what is the positive thing I am getting out of it? Well, I am getting a way for me to collect visual ideas of what I want my future life to look like in one easy to manage space. I am able to take those ideas and say there is something I want my dad to build as a Christmas present. I'm able to take that picture and send it to my dad really easily. Um, It's a way for me to kind of future trip for lack of a better word. So it's a positive thing that I'm getting out of Pinterest. And like I said, I feel like I have a healthy boundary with it because I can pick it up and I can put it down and there's no like twitchiness about it. I'm not like, oh my God, I haven't been on Pinterest in like two days. There's sometimes I won't go on Pinterest for a whole month. So I'm getting all the benefits of out of it without the addictive type with it. So question number three, where do I need to scale back or quit something altogether? Now, I've told you guys, I've, for the most part, about 95% quit Facebook. I don't participate in the groups anymore. Um, I don't post anything on my profiles anymore. I only keep it so I can do my work-related things, and that's it, because it's the only way Facebook will allow you to do it. So, I've told you what I scaled back on, because I couldn't technically quit Facebook altogether. I told you how and why I quit Instagram. I told you why I quit, you know, Snapchat and Twitter. So there's sometimes you need to quit something and sometimes you need to drastically scale it back. Um, We don't have a hard and fast rule in our household about technology at night, but I do try and have appropriate boundaries. You know, yes, I use my phone as an alarm, but I'm a pretty light sleeper because I'm always listening for my babies to make sure that they don't need anything. So I can leave my phone in the kitchen and I will hear it in the bedroom. So when I go to bed at night, I've scaled back on having my phone clutched to me freaking 24-7. Instead, I leave it in the kitchen. It charges in there. And... You know, when we come home and we started to unwind after dinner, I leave my phone in the kitchen. And for the most part, unless someone calls me or calls Ben, I don't touch my phone until the next morning. Now, in the mornings, I get up and I listen to my podcast as I get ready. It's a way for me to kind of keep an eye on the clock because the two podcast episodes that I listen to, um, if I get up at the right time, they are the equivalent of an hour between the two. They're about half an hour each. So it keeps me on track to make sure that I'm going through my morning routine at the appropriate speed. Um, But again, I'll leave my phone in my purse while I'm at work, or if I have to, I'll check it maybe once or twice. Um, But I don't have it attached to me 24-7. My Kindle, I only read that, you know, I'll make sure that I'm not doing nine other things. And I'm actually, if I'm going to read, that's all I'm going to be doing is reading. I'm not going to be reading plus watching TV. I'm not going to be reading plus trying to have a conversation. I'm not going to be reading plus, plus, plus. So that is examples of where I've scaled back on things. And again, over time, if that is your intention of scaling back, you can do the same thing. Not everyone's going to want to scale back to the level of where I'm at. And to be honest, I want to scale back even further. I would love to only have one TV in the entire household. um, And, you know, that would be it. My husband would die (laughs) because he 
where I, I read books, you know, a couple hundred books a year, he's a TV guy, couple hundred TV shows or TV episodes a year, I should say. So we all have our own, you know, vices, but you know, there's little things like that. I'd love to be able to go an entire weekend without using my cell phone. I'd love, I'd love, I'd love. So there's versions of scaling back and you can do it in stages. So those are the three journal prompts that I've got for you. Use them to your own discretion so that you can see, you know, which device, which platform is serving you the best. And serving you the best is going to mean you should be able to list off easily five, if not 10, awesome benefits that you're getting from using either that platform or that device. If you can't, that may be an example or maybe a little signal for you to scale back on something or to quit it altogether. So let me start wrapping this one up and walk you through what my new reality looks like. Because again, I've told you about my past. I've told you my decisions. Let me talk to you about my present and my future. My presence and my future is being more mindful. And being more mindful means having lots of open space in my calendar. We've talked about this. I have whole episodes dedicated to that. I have a whole episode dedicated to learning how to sit still. It is literally a daily practice of mine of figuring out how to quietly sit still and not feel like I have to be doing 20,000 other things. With that being said, I have noticed that the less I use technology, let me rephrase, instead of less, the more appropriately I use technology, the easier it is to be mindful. So I yeah, I saw that there was correlations to that, but I never really believed it. I was like, oh, that's true for them, but not for me. Well, reality is it's true for me too. The less I am on my phone, the less jittery I am. If I am paying bills, I sit down on a specific day. Again, we've talked about this. I sit down on a specific day and I get all my bills. I pay them all in one go and then I close my laptop. I check my email once in the morning and then I'm good for the rest of the day. I check my voicemails twice or three times a week and then I'm good for the rest of the time frame. I charge my Kindle once a month and then I make sure that, you know, whenever I exit out of a book that I sync everything so that when I go to sleep, everything's synced because again, book reading is extremely important to me. I try not to multitask. So when I am recording a podcast, for example, Everything is quiet. I don't have music going on in the background. I don't have TVs going on in the background. I don't have, I literally have my phone on silent. Um, I can't put it on airplane mode because I can't record that way, but I have it on silent so I'm not distracted. So with scaling back the technology, the entire intention is to be more mindful. The only way I have found to be more mindful is to not have constant distractions 24-7. I'm almost kind of going to the point of living how I used to live as a teenager before technology was in my face 24-7. I've never really been a big TV person, even as a kid. I always chose to read versus watch TV. But again, back then when I was a kid, we didn't have laptops. We didn't have cell phones. We didn't have Kindles. I had a library membership. I still know my library card number from when I was, I think it was like seven I, I can rattle off all, I think it's like 11 digits, no problem. I remember crying when they changed the library limit of how many books you could check out from 45 to 25. So my life used to revolve around physical things, not just this endless 
portal to technology. And I kind of want to get back to that. The reason being, outside of being able to be more mindful, I'm able to have conversations better and connect more with the people I want to connect with. So I told you in the beginning of this episode that it was a really big goal and it still is to have friends on every continent and then from there, every major country. Well, I still have a bestie that lives in Japan. And when we were having this conversation, probably four or five months ago about, man, I'm going to get off Facebook. I'm going to delete my Instagram account. How are we going to connect? Because it's not like I can call you. You know, technically I could use Skype, but between the time zone differences and our schedule differences is not always the easiest thing. Instead, what we used to do in the past is we used to be on Facebook Messenger pretty much 24-7. So I would send her all of my stuff throughout the day and then I would go to sleep she would wake up, she would read all of it, respond back to me, she would go to sleep, I would wake up, so on and so forth. So for the most part, except for like maybe an hour or two out of the day, we would always be about a day behind each other. So I asked her, hey, this is going to sound dorky, but can we become email buddies? And I'm laughing as I say, it because I think it's just so silly, but it, it works. So I'm still able to keep my connection with what I value is a what I value and you know, I think she's a really great person and a really great friend. And I feel since we've been writing these emails back and forth, mind you, they're really long emails, which I love them. We send about two or three to each other a week. And I just, I absolutely love, love, love them because I feel like we're having a very deep conversation versus the fluff. And I'm able to keep a friendship alive with someone that I can't send a text to, I can't pick up the phone and call in a very meaningful way. And, you know, maybe who's to say that I don't take them and I print them out because to me, whenever I get letters, I always save all my letters. I have all my letters from my husband when we were in high school. I have pretty much almost every single birthday card or congratulations card that was ever given to me. So that type of stuff is extremely important to me. And maybe I'll do the same thing with the emails back and forth. Because it is mindful. We are conscious when we're emailing each other. For the most part, we don't email fluff. But, you know, I'm able to keep that community and that connection feeling alive. And I've even started investing in my friends that physically live stateside. So I have a girlfriend that I've known since I was like 10. Love her to death. Um, she's, she's about a month younger than me, give or take. We went through a ton of stuff together, grew up together, did sports together, have amazing memories together. We text about two or three times a week just to catch up with each other. And we have more meaningful conversations now that I actually can be present and I can focus. Um, I have two friends that live rather local that I either see once or twice a week and we maybe go out and we grab lunch or we go do a power walk in town or we hang out outside and we catch up on our latest TV shows and maybe about the husbands. So replacing the obsession with technology has been a benefit because I'm getting what I was trying to use technology for all along. I only ever wanted technology outside of it making my life simpler because I wanted to connect with really amazing people. So what I have done as I've scaled back on that is I've focused more. It's like I've taken the same amount of energy. So let's say it was 20, 20 units of energy. And if you don't know what I'm talking about, there's a whole podcast episode dedicated to managing your energy and energy units. Uh, go check that one out. But 
let's say I have about 20 units of energy that I was spending with online, social media, technology-ish stuff. I've scaled it back to what I feel is about 5%. And I've taken that remaining 15% units of energy and I focused it on building really amazing friendships. Friendships that will last to me decades. Friendships that I have had for decades that I want to continue for even more decades. So it's not like the energy just kind of went away or the intention went away. It just changed to a more meaningful manner. So that is what my future relationship with technology looks like. And hopefully one day I will be able to have a healthier relationship with it. I won't, you know, use my phone as a crutch. I won't use it as a way to escape. I don't use it as a way to ignore. Um, I would love to be able to have a good relationship with social media one day. Um, I know that one of the biggest things to do to get the podcast out and about outside of asking you to share it is to be promoting it on social media. But right now it just feels like a slippery slope. And I'd rather have my small but intimate audience versus kind of dive back into that rabbit hole again when I know I'm not ready for it. So being conscious of what my needs are, being conscious of what my desires are, and being conscious where I'm spending my energy is the future of how I'm going to relate with technology. And with the fact that we're going to be having kids, we're not pregnant or anything at the moment, but we're going to have kids in a relative immediate future, it's a matter of, well, what type of boundaries am I going to set for my children when it comes to technology? You know, are we? what type of things are we going to do for screen time? And for love of God, I am not going to give my kid an iPad. Like, I just don't believe in that. Someone else may do it. Kudos to them. It's just, it's not something I value. I want to take them and I want them to spend time outside in nature. I want them to join 4-H clubs. I'm a very, and so is my husband, a very physical and active person in regards to being outside and I want that to be a major part of their life not being glued to a tablet 24-7 so as I change these relationships in general I'm also thinking of what my future is going to look like I'm thinking of my future self again that's another podcast episode I want to say it's the one either one or two episodes previous to this one um I'm thinking of what future Margaret's going to want. What is future Margaret going to need? How is she going to want to communicate? What's going to make it so that she doesn't get overwhelmed? What does, it, what does she need to do so she doesn't get severe anxiety 24-7 because she's missing out on something? So with all of that being said, all the decisions I'm making today is in care of future her so that she can be supported and she can go through whatever challenges she has and she has a little bit less on her plate than she does right now. With that being said, I want to thank you for listening to this episode. I know it's not the most common episode and you may not think, well, oh, cool, boundaries around technology. That's exactly what I need. But it's another form of clearing out the clutter in your life so you can spend the things doing what you want to the most. Spending time with your family, spending time with your friends, and doing what you love. So if you have any questions, you know the drill, head over to the website margaretstevens.co send me your cues email me you know whatever you need to do and I will happily respond to them and if you want to listen to the backlog of the episodes that I have published and you don't have me on either Apple Podcasts or Stitcher the two easiest pretty much platforms ever to use for podcasting you can always go over to margaretstevens.co slash podcast and you can find all the back episodes there and I'm gonna bid you a farewell and go 
turn everything off and enjoy, you know, the next 45 minutes of reading my latest novel on the Kindle. I hope you guys have a great night. Bye-bye. Have a burning question for me? Want that link I was talking about? Get access to all the resources and links that were mentioned in this episode and others over at margaretstevens.co. And if you haven't, don't forget to sign up for my VIP list where I share special bonuses, pre-launch coupon codes, and advice I don't share anywhere else. Thanks for listening.